since we're talking about kids, how many of you guys have kids in here? Lots of you guys, I hope, because they all just went back there. Somebody's kids. How many of you treat, treat all of your kids exactly the same? Nobody, right? <laughs> how many of you treat your spouse like your kids? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. <laughs> that backfired. That backfired. I was thinking the other way around. That backfired big time on me. I was thinking the other way around, but it really made more sense. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. That, that quickly raised her hand. Quick to listen, slow to... No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. I'm never going to get through this. All right. Here's, the reason I said that is because I thought about... <laughs> never mind. Forget what I thought about. What I'm thinking about now. Um, we don't treat our kids the same, right? This is something that I like... Um, I know homeschoolers get a bad rip sometimes about just being in the, I know, sorry. Glory's like, what? But sometimes homeschoolers get a bad rip. They're like, oh, they go, you know, they don't have social skills, all this stuff, whatever, and there's all this stuff. But something that's awesome about homeschool, I've always loved. It's true. It's so true. We don't. <laughs> homeschoolers will tell you. We're tired of riding in vans and hanging out with people we don't know. All right. So, <laughs> going to camps. No, we, 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 uh. Sorry, I hope, I'm sure I've offended somebody at this point. But I'm, I, can't, I joke around a lot. So what I love about homeschool, what I, what I do love about homeschool is that, that you can kind of adjust the curriculum to the kids a little bit, right? And so you can kind of, some kids learn at a different pace and at different levels and, and different ways. And so it's really good that you can do that. Um, not everyone's gifted to homeschool, so I don't want you to feel any guilt or shame because you don't homeschool either. Um, but at the same time, it's really neat. I've always liked that about homeschool, that you can kind of adjust to the kids. And some teachers in public schools and private schools will do that too, but when you get, anyway, you get large, sometimes it's hard to do that. So I say that because we do, we treat our kids differently. I treat, our, I treat my kids differently, um, and usually the kids will get on to me for that because I'm not treating one the same way the other one is. Well, you would do this for this. And then I try to, this is a mistake I make, and many of you may make as well. I try to approach my kids with, like, logic. <laughs> I mean, I really do, and I, and I know, well, sometimes it does, but here, that, that can backfire too, and I'll tell you why. I've done this for years. Sometimes I'll just get frustrated, and I'm not perfect by any means, and I'll just say, just do it. You don't have to understand why, just do it, and I'm not that type of person. I want to explain it, and I want them to know why, and, and sometimes it just doesn't work because they just, it doesn't compute with them or something, but the, the way it's backfired with me, which has nothing to do with what I'm talking about, the way it's backfired with me, I just find interesting is now, especially Kylie, will come back with some of that logic to me. When I say something, I'm like, wow, that makes sense, but you're my kid. You don't tell me. I tell you. But that's pretty good. <laughs> like, I cannot argue with your logic there. So be careful with that when you, if you do approach it that way. But a lot of times we approach things differently with, different, with, with our kids. That's easy for me because that's close. Now, in the same way, Trace and I were talking the other night, and I try to think that I'm myself around everybody, kind of the same me, um, and, and Carolyn even mentioned it. Uh, she actually sent me a text message the other day, and I want to encourage you with this. I may never get to my sermon. I want to encourage you with this because she sent me a text message the other day that was just very encouraging. Is Carolyn in here? Did she go help with the kids? Okay, so she won't be embarrassed. So Anyway, so Carolyn sent me a text message the other day. She said, hey, we went to the Perez's to the 4th of July thing, and we had just gotten there, and somebody threw a Frisbee. They were like, Justin! And I was like, ah, and then they hit somebody. And then everybody was like, Justin, why didn't you catch it? Like, it was all my fault. And I was like, I just got here. Why is everything always my fault? And 
But Carolyn encouraged me, like, a week later, she was just thinking about it, the Holy Spirit put on her heart to text me, and she said, hey, I just want to encourage you that I appreciate that you kind of, you're more down to earth, and you kid around, and you joke around a lot, and we can just joke around and just say, hey, oh, Justin, like, it's all your fault kind of thing. She said, I appreciate that, and I just want to encourage you in that. And it, that seems simple enough, but that day, specifically, I was struggling with some things, and, and dealing with, you know, I'm not a traditional pastor type, and I don't, I don't really fit the mold of, of what I've seen others. And so whether I like it or not, I'll criticize myself. Jasmine corrects me all the time. Stop saying you're sorry. Um, and so, so I criticized myself. Well, I needed that that morning. And so I did the same thing, and I encouraged her as well. But the reason I say that is we were, Tracy and I were talking about it the other day, and she said, you're not, you're not, you don't act the same around everybody. And I was like, well, yeah, well, maybe I don't. And she started naming off people. You act differently around these people than these people. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess. To, to an extent, I don't think I compromise my beliefs or anything like that, but I will. I think all of us, at some in some way, will kind of adapt a little bit to our surroundings, right? We'll kind of adjust to the people that we're around. Now, why is that? Is it is it so that we'll fit in or we'll feel better about ourselves? It could be. I think I think more so. Some of that is designed in us through the Holy Spirit um, that we care for people, right? So if we think that it's going to hurt their feelings or offend them, we'll kind of adjust to that. Now, some of us... Huh? Yeah. I'm getting to it, Bill. <laughs> you want the mic? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Paul does talk about that. I may not get to I may not get to it. Well, sort of. I just said I'm never going to get to it. I'm never going to get to the parts, the, the scriptures that I want to get to. But part of it is what you're saying, so I appreciate it. Maybe you might be the only one that gets to it. So anyway, so he does talk about it. Because we do, we kind of come all things to all people, and we, those Pauline-type things, that, that we adjust to those things. And we don't want to offend people. We don't want to hurt people's feelings. Um, and what's cool about that is it doesn't mean that we compromise our beliefs. It doesn't mean that we, we have to give up what we believe or, or even give up our own personalities or our, our uh yeah, personality type. We don't have to give that up either. At the same time, we, we put others before ourselves, and that's kind of what I want to talk about here. Number one thing I want to talk about, it's not all about you. Uh, that, that sometimes that's cool to hear. Sometimes it stings a little bit, but it's not all about you. One of the, one of the biggest hindrances, I think, of, of our ch- church in America is turning these, making these scriptures all about us instead of all about Jesus. Um, because you can do it. You can look at it from that perspective, and you can make it all about you. Yes, we are a part of it, and we get to be uh, a part of this big story. We're a part of the meta-narrative, the, the larger story here, and it's awesome we get to be a part of it, but it's not all about you. Um, and I say that <laughs> for that reason. It's not all about you. What The, the first people that had a problem with this were the Jews. Um, the Jews had a problem because they had a hard time believing that God cared about non-Jews. Now, we see this. I'm not going to go through all the scriptures, but we've talked about it several times in here. Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles are just non-Jews, lots of different people. I think majority of you would be considered non-Jews, Gentiles. Um, so the whole first, first uh, Old Covenant was for the Jews, not for us. That's why I think it's ridiculous when a lot of religious systems will try to recreate or draw in the Old Covenant into the New because that wasn't even ours, and it doesn't even exist because Christ fulfilled it, but they'll try to draw it and, and put it on like this fits, and it doesn't fit because it wasn't for you anyway. Um, but the Jews, and, and I'll try to talk about this briefly because I want to get at least to one of, one of my points, um, but the Jews had a rich history. If you think about they had a good reason for kind of holding on to that, right? They had Abraham. They had the, the temple, the Ark of the Covenant. They had this rich history of Moses and the law, the whole sacrificial system. They had all this stuff 
that they kind of carried with them. This is their history, and you know, and they had all these promises, and so they had all this to rest on. And so what happened was when things began to change and Jesus came and, and began to talk about non-Jews, it being the, that the good news was not just for the Jews, but it was also for the Gentiles, the Jews kind of took issue with that. It, it, it hurt their, um, uh, their ego, really. It hurt their, their pride, and it hurt their whole... Basically, their whole lives were built on the system. So it broke them down. And I love how Jesus really approached them and really wanted them to get it too when he talks about, hey, go back in the scriptures and find out what this means. I love that because, and, and Jesus met with Nicodemus, and he wanted the Pharisees to see it too. He didn't just call them brood of vipers, although he did, but he also loved them and wanted them to get it too. And I love that about Jesus. It wasn't just for that. He loved the Pharisees too. But at the same time, they were really taking issue with this because it tore down everything that they had built up in and of themselves. They kind of put themselves in the position of God to be honest. They kind of put themselves in a position to kind of rule and reign and put everyone else down under them. And that wasn't God's plan. They just kind of took that upon themselves to do it. So they had this rich history. Remember that. They kind of had this rich history of the sacrificial system, the old covenant, all the things that, that came along. So how could God give this Holy Spirit to people that haven't earned it? That, that How can it be free? How can it, how can it just be given to them? And they really had a hard time with that. So the, the first scripture I want to go to, we're going to go to in... in uh, well, no, before we even go there, let's go to, let's go to Isaiah. The, the whole thing with Pentecost, we'll go to the Pentecost. I'm, I'm going to read through that scripture briefly in just a minute, but before we even get to that, but the most radical thing about Pentecost wasn't just that the Holy Spirit came, although that was radical enough, but that it came and it was all different nations and all different people that received it. It wasn't just the Jews, and the Jews saw it and didn't know what to do with it. So the most radical thing that came, uh, the most radical thing about the, the, the day of Pentecost was that the Holy Spirit came, but not just to Jews, but to all people. But this, and this fulfilled the prophecy from Isaiah 28.5, or actually 28.7. We'll start at 7, because he talks about other people, but then he gets to the priests and prophets. So Isaiah 28.7, um, and I'm going to read. This is from NIV, uh, and I'm going I'm to read from the message here in just a little bit, too. From NIV, it says, And these also stagger from wine and reel from beer. Priests and prophets stagger from beer and are, are befuddled with wine. They reel from beer, and they, uh, they stagger when seeing visions. They stumble when rendering decisions. All the tables are covered with vomit, and there is not a spot without filth. Who is, <clears throat> who is it he is trying to teach? I'm talking about the, the priests. To whom is he explaining this, his message? To children weaned from, their, weaned from their milk, to those taken from their breast, for it is do this, do that, a rule for this, a rule for that, a little here, a little there. He's talking about the law and the, and the Pharisees um, basically treating everyone like babies and, and making the rules and making them follow them. And verse 11 says, Very well then, with foreign lips and strange tongues, God will speak to, to this people to whom he said, This is the resting place. Let the weary rest. He's speaking about the day of Pentecost. He's saying that, that with foreign lips and strange tongues is going to come, not just, not just for the Jews, but for all people. And it's, and it's because of the foreign lips, and it's a resting place for not just the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. And this is the place of repose, but they would not listen. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through, and it's a little scripture heavy today, but I'm going to read through, that's not a bad thing, through Acts 2 when the Holy Spirit did come, and I may skip a little bit just for time's sake, but you guys, most of you probably know the story. Um, we'll skip down to verse 5 or 6. Verse 6, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being, being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who, who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hear them in our own native language? Uh, Parthians, uh, Medes, I'll probably mispronounce most of these, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, 
anyway, all the different places. I'm not going to go through all of them. Uh, Libya, Syria, visitors from Rome, Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, Arabs, we hear them declaring. Now listen to this. This is what we need to focus on, declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. They basically scoffed at them, said, oh, they're just drunk. So Peter stands up and addresses the crowd and says, uh, in verse 14, he raises his voice and addresses the crowd and says, fellow Jews, And all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on just Jews? No, on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Listen, he's including everyone here. He even breaks it down. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Verse 18, even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens and above and signs on the earth earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So what he's saying here is, he says everyone, but then he starts to include everyone. Young men, old men, women, kids, adults, everyone. He's trying to emphasize this right here. Look, this isn't just for the Old Covenant, for the Old old Covenant and the chosen people. This is for everyone, and they had a hard time with it. Fast forward, same thing with my kids. If my kids, how many of you have ever felt an injustice, even as an adult? It's not fair. It's not fair that they get this when we work so hard, and then they get blessed with this, or it's not fair when this happens, but but then they didn't earn it. You know, we're working our butts off over here, and they've been given that. That's not fair. You can be honest. Yeah, I, I see it too, and I feel it sometimes too. It's like, really? We've been, we've been doing all this and been doing all this stuff, and then all of a sudden these people are blessed, and they just, I mean, it's been like a week, you know what I mean? Like, or the church just started or something, and they're like running 3,000 or something ridiculous. Like they're like, they were just like at eight last week. How'd that even happen, you know? Or just little things. Like, I don't get caught up in numbers, you know that, but I'm just giving that as an example. It's not fair, right? And we feel an injustice, and it's hard for us sometimes to get past that. This is the same way they were thinking. Look, We've got all these promises. We've got all this stuff to stand on. And now all these guys, now listen, these guys just aren't okay people. Most of them are bad people. You look at Rome and some of the Greeks, and you look at some of the things they were doing, what was their history? Their history wasn't all the promises. Their history was, you know, orgies and getting drunk and partying and murder, and they had a bad history, right? Real bad, some of them. And so they don't have a leg to stand on. They don't have a backup plan. This is all they've got. So we find a a bit of a split here. And so what happens is the Jews felt like they had options. They felt like they kind of hedged their bets a bit. And so this is where a lot of the mixture of law and grace comes from, the thing that we preach about all the time here. Um, But what is... I know that's a lot to take in in a short amount of time. So what does that all have to do with, with us and with, with what's going on with us? We're not Jews. Or for the most part, we're not fully in a, in a Judaical system. I'm not saying you're historically not. Some of you may be Jews. I don't know. Um, but we're not steeped in Judaism here as far as I know. So what we need to know is that Christ came not just to give us a new set of laws or not just to give us a new set of rules, but he came to set us free. The scary thing, the real scary thing to the Pharisees was 
if you begin to set people free, then it breaks down their whole system because they had a hierarchy and they had control over people. The prophecy that, that we just talked about in Isaiah was you guys are hoarding the knowledge that you have over people and you're oppressing people and not setting them free. Um, this, is, this is my biggest beef with a lot of religious systems that steep themselves in a similar system that's a, a sin management system that can become a multi-million dollar system because you, ha- you keep having to come back to them to, for forgiveness of sins. You keep having to come back to them for things to work out. You keep having to come back to them when Christ came so that we could all have the Holy Spirit, so that Christ came so that we could all be set free because it's because of, so, so that we could be free. He set us free. Now, freedom scares control freaks. <laughs> freedom scares insecure people. Freedom scares manipulative people. Freedom scares um, fearful people. Freedom even scares good people. Because what, what does that say if I say that all you guys are free to do what you want to do and you go out and do something dumb and then that supposedly represents us, then, then that's supposed to be on me? Break that system down for a minute. If that's the case, then I would need to be with you all the time to make sure you're not doing what you're, you're not supposed to do, right? This is Religion puts the bumpers up in bowling. Who likes to bowl with bumpers? It's no fun. <laughs> it's kind of fun if you're not good, if you can't, like, spin the ball. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> thanks, Brad. All analogies break down, I know. But what I'm saying is, if, if I created a system by which you could go out and I created the boundaries for you, if those boundaries were lifted, you would do what you want to do. So I like to skip past all that and get to the want to. What do you want to do? Let's, let's get to the heart of the issue. It's not about what I say or what you say is right and wrong, or even my interpretation of Scripture that's right and wrong, but it's the Holy Spirit that is inside you that, that tells you what's right and wrong. It's above even our own conscience, the Scripture says. Even our own conscience, the Scripture is above even that. The Holy Spirit is above even that. So Christ came to set us free, not to, put us, not to take us out of bondage, to put us back in bondage. He, he came to set us free. So we, we can't set other people free until we know that we're free. So that there's, there's four times um, that Paul talks about basically everything being um, permissible but not beneficial. He says it four times. So he's, bless you. Four times he says it. And I'm going to tell you all four times he says it. Both are in Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6.12, he says, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So basically all things are permissible, but not all are beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Now stop there. What do we get hung up on here? In one of the versions of Scripture I found, the, the heading was, was about sexual immorality, but one of the other versions I read said the body is the Lord's. I like that better. Because we, we want to gravitate towards that. Now it's true that the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but what's, what's more important here is the body is meant for the Lord. So your body is different than your spirit, right? Can we establish that? Your body is meant to serve the Lord. Gas for the car, Holy Spirit for the person. We run on God. We were designed for God. We were created for God. And that's what works for us. So we're saying is, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Basically, you were fused with Christ. The Holy Spirit is with you. That's why he says, no one can pluck you out of my hand. Why does he say that? Because his hand's bigger and badder and stronger than anything you or anyone else can do. It's powerful. So he says, listen, we're, we're like one, so shall, 
Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with her, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Now what is he saying here? We get caught up on the sexual immorality part, which is obvious here. We can all agree with that. That's, that's a pretty surfacey, basic thing that he's saying here. But what's more important that he's saying here? If you go in with a prostitute, you're carrying Christ with you. That's the more important thing. The more important thing is that you can't say, I check my Holy Spirit at the door when I leave here, right? You can't say, okay, I'm going to hang my religion. Some people, I used to hear people say, I'm hanging my religion here so I can do something, whatever. Yeah, you can do that with religion, but you can't do that with the Holy Spirit. I mean, you can do that with religion. You can hang it on a doorstep or you can believe it or not believe it. But the Holy Spirit doesn't work like that. The Holy Spirit's much bigger, much more powerful <laughs> than you just choosing when you want to to have him move and, and make decisions like that. But here's the cool thing. He's saying, listen, here's another, here's another issue I have, and I had a conversation with somebody the other day about it. For some reason, when we preach a lot of grace, people think, well, we can't have instruction or practical wisdom as though we've just thrown all that out the window. No one ever said that. No one ever said that grace says that we don't have good advice, that we don't have practical wisdom and instruction. This Bible is full of great instruction. Here's a perfect example in verse 18. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Now I could go on, that scripture is heavy, and I could go on a tangent about that because it's a mirror of our relationship with the Lord, and you can go in all to reproducing and life and everything, and that's very powerful truth. I just don't have the time to go into it right now, so I don't want to make it take light of it, but I want to get to what I want to talk about here. So verse 19 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is where? Is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. That's good practical wisdom, right? So you have the freedom to do what you want. Christ didn't come so that he could say, okay, now you have to uh, do all these new things that you can't really do. Good luck with that. He didn't do that. He said, I came down to be with you so that I could help you go through this stuff. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. Now, can you ruin your marriage, go rob a convenience store, and go to jail? You're free to do that. I mean, you, you, could, go, you could leave here and go do that right now. And guess what? The Holy Spirit would go with you when you did it. And some people have, have a problem with that. But he goes with you. Does he go anywhere? He doesn't go anywhere. But will that ruin your life? Yeah. That'd screw you up. That's bad advice. All things are permissible, but not all are beneficial. You're free to do what you want. Amen. So the question is, what do you want to do? Amen. What do you want to do? What's your want to? Let's, let's focus in on that right now. If you want me to stand up here and tell you, don't ruin your marriage, don't go rob a bank, or you know, don't go to jail, I can do that. And it'll be good, sound advice. But it'll only get you so far. If, if you find... That, that something you need or something that pleases you, you want to make that decision, you have the freedom to do that. I can't control that. You can have as many accountability partners as you want. You remember, we talked about this before. I remember a guy in college was telling me years ago, he said that he had this computer program that if he went to a questionable site, um, it would email his friend. Have you all ever seen that? I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But what, what, did, what did you probably immediately think and what I thought? I'd get around that. That's the first thing I thought about if I wanted to, I could get around that. I could find a way around that. Why is that? What's in my heart? What do I want to do? 
What's the end result? This is what the Holy Spirit shows us. The Holy Spirit shows me, okay, I could, you know, I travel a lot with work. I'm being, I'm being completely transparent, which I always am anyway. I travel outside of work, and it's, I, I hate it because I hate being away from my family. It's nice sometimes I get to see some cool places. I got to go to Daytona Beach one time, and they had, like, bike week, so I got to see some motorcycles and stuff. But it sucked for me because my family wasn't there. And I have no desire to really go, you know, do anything inappropriate with anybody else. But I could, and no one would ever know about it, right? But what does the Holy Spirit show me? What, is, what would that gain me? What's the end result of that? It would, it would ruin my family. It would ruin my ministry. It would ruin my reputation. It would ruin my life. It would probably spiral me into depression or something else, you know? The Holy Spirit shows me ahead of time what would happen, what's the end result from that. It's the great thing about God being outside of time and space. I can, I, you can feel something in the moment, a temptation, because believers are still tempted. You can feel something in the moment, the Holy Spirit will bring to you revelation of the truth. What do we always say? You don't get to determine the truth, but you discover it, right? How do you discover it? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. If there's, if there's one theme about everything that I'm going to talk about, it's going to be Holy Spirit. It's the one thing that I think has crippled the church for years, and it's the one thing that we haven't depended on enough, and it's trusting the Holy Spirit. Not me, not you. Now, the Holy Spirit can work through us. I understand that. But listen, you've got to hear from the Lord yourself. You have to. You have to. I use this only as an example because it's easy for me to remember the things that I experienced. When the Holy Spirit put Chris White on my heart that morning, I had no idea what I was going to hear about that afternoon. I had no idea. How cool is, I mean, how great is that that, that he knew what, what was going to happen, and he already knew what was going on before I ever knew it, and he just told me to text him and, and tell him that, you know, hey, I love you, man. I'm praying for you. I hope you have a great day. Something as simple as that. I'm not special. I promise you. He can do the same thing with you, and he does. I hear stories of it all the time. I just want to encourage you in that. So listen, you can make those decisions. Why does God advise against it? Why does God advise you not to do stupid things? Like why does he advise you not to go, you know, cheat on your wife? He doesn't want you to get shot. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not like he, wasn't, he doesn't want you to have fun or, or enjoy yourself. He created fun. He's not a cosmic killjoy that says, I don't have fun. If you have a sense of humor, that's pretty good evidence that he, can we all agree that he created everyone in here? Can we agree on that? Do most, I hope most of you have a sense of humor. Can we agree that God has a sense of humor? He created us in his image. Thank God. It's okay to laugh. It's okay to enjoy other people's company. It's okay to just hang out sometimes. Because what happens when you hang out, just like last week we heard uh, AJ's testimony, we hear people's stories. <clears throat> and we hear testimony. And we get to know people and we build relationships. It's not about the rules, but it's about the relationship. All right, I rambled. The next time, the next time he, uh, Paul talks about this same thing, um, and this is why, I'll, I'll touch on this briefly, but this is why we always talk about we're an RD church, receive and distribute, we don't name it and claim it. The whole name it and claim it movement was all self-centered to me. It's all about us, name it, claim it for me kind of thing, this is mine. But we are, I always say R&D, we receive and distribute, we receive, we receive love from the Holy Spirit, we distribute it to other people. It takes a lot of the pressure off of you because it's not all about you, it's about him. But it also frees you to do things that you can't do on your own because I can't love Tracy like she deserves to be loved, but through the Holy Spirit I can. 
I can't love you guys like you deserve to be loved, but the Holy Spirit can. Same way, I would have not just texted, you know, uh, Chris randomly without the Holy Spirit leading me to do that. Huh? No, Chris. Chris Wyatt is his son. Um, I would have not have texted him um, had the Holy Spirit not let me do that. That's not something I naturally do. Okay, does that make sense? So your freedom is not, is not is the only governing thing to our freedom is love. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, he talks about it again here. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. If there's any scripture you want to hang on your wall, hang that one on your wall. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the meat market without raising question of conscience, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, eat whatever uh, is put before you without raising question of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered to sacrifice, then do not eat it both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. And I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This goes along with what we always talk about. Everything you do now is spiritual because you carry the Holy Spirit. Um, something I, I, I talk to the greeters about sometimes, and we'll talk a little bit about this afternoon. Um, there's, no, there's no small place in the kingdom. When you greet people, you're just as super spiritual as I am up here. It's just as important and it's just as powerful as anything else in this place. Anything you do serving the Lord, whether it's outside in your work, in your school, anywhere, it's spiritual because you carry the Holy Spirit with you. So don't ever, don't ever look down upon yourself because you're not on some big platform preaching to millions of people because you're changing people's lives through the Holy Spirit every day. And you have that opportunity every day. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. That's another powerful one. So I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that I may be saved. Now I want to go through real quick. We're going to go through Isaiah, and I'm going to go a little bit further in it. I'm going to go all the way from 7 to 22. But this is in the message, and I love how Eugene Peterson words this. Oh, no, we're going all the way to 29, and then I'm going to let you guys go. I know it's time. But this is, I love the wording here. It's just, it kind of breaks it down easier and he actually gives a little more colorful description because when you look at the Greek, the Greek is such a, such a powerful um, language that the, the English language is a bit transliterated from that and it loses a little bit. But Eugene Peterson kind of adds some of that flavor back and some of that color back and I love the way he, he puts this in Isaiah. Verse 7, it says, this, this is the, the prophecy over what was going to happen at Pentecost, but I'm going to go a little bit further with it. Isaiah 28, 7. Is that right? Okay. These also, the, the priest and prophet, stagger from drink, weaving, falling down drunks, besotted with wine and whiskey, can't see straight, can't talk sense, every table is covered with vomit, they live in vomit. Is that so? And who do you think you are to teach us? Who are you to lord it over us? We're not babies in diapers to be, talk, to be talked down to by such as you. Da, 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 blah, blah, blah. That's a good little girl. That's a good little boy. But that's exactly how you will be addressed. God will speak to, the, to this people in baby talk. 
one syllable at a time, and he'll do it through foreign oppressors. He said before, this is the time and place to rest, to give rest to the weary. This is the place to lay down your burden, but they won't listen. So God will start over with the simple basics. Listen to this and address them in baby talk. He's talking about the priests and prophets. He's going he's to reverse this thing, and he's going to have the, the young ones in the faith come up and begin to speak to the older ones, and they're going to speak to them in baby talk. And he goes, da, 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 blah, blah, blah. That's good little girl. That's good little boy. And like toddlers, they will get up and fall down, get bruised and confused and lost. Now listen to God's message, you scoffers. Now what were they doing when they, when they heard it? They said, you guys are drunk, and they weren't drunk. They were scoffing at them. It's like, listen, you scoffers. You who rule this people in Jerusalem, you say, we've taken out good life insurance. We've hedged our bets, covered our bases. No disaster can touch us. We've thought of everything. We're advised by the experts. We're set. Now, what's he talking about there? He's talking about the old covenant and this rich history that they had. They're like, okay, yeah, we believe in Jesus. He's good. He's sent from God. But we also have this other system. We also have Judaism. We also have circumcision. We also have the law. We want to hang on to this too because if this Jesus thing doesn't work out, we've got a backup plan. So they've hedged their bets. Listen to this in verse 16. But the master God has something to say to this. Watch closely. I'm laying a foundation in Zion, a solid granite foundation, square and true. And this is the meaning of the stone. A trusting life won't topple. What are we saying here all the time? Trust the Holy Spirit. A trusting life won't topple. I'll make sure, or I'll make justice the measuring stick and righteousness the plumb line for the building. A hailstorm will knock down the, the shanty town of lies and a flash flood will wash out the rubble. Then you'll see that your precious life insurance policy wasn't worth the paper it was written on. Wasn't worth the paper it was written on. Your careful precautions against death were packed of illusions and lies. When the disaster happens, you'll be crushed by it. Every time disaster comes, you'll be on, you'll be in on it. Disaster in the morning, disaster at night. Every every report of disaster will send you cowering in terror. There will be no place where you can rest, nothing to hide under. God will rise to full stature, raging as He did long ago on Mount Perizim. And in the valley of Gibeon against, you, against the Philistines, but this time it's against you. Hard to believe, but true. Not what you'd expect, but it's coming. Sober up, friends, and don't scoff. Scoffing will just make it worse. I've heard the orders issued for destruction, orders of God of the angels' armies ending, ending up in international disaster. Listen to me. Give me your closest attention. Now listen to this. This is what I want to kind of end with. Do farmers plow and do nothing but plow, or harrow and harrow and do nothing but harrow? After they've prepared the ground, don't they plant? Don't they scatter and deal and spread cumin? Plant wheat and barley in the fields and raspberries along the borders. They know exactly what to do and when to do it. Their God is their teacher. Holy Spirit, listen to this. Their God is their teacher. And at harvest, the delicate herbs and spices, the dill and cumin are treated delicately. On the other hand, wheat is threshed and milled, but still not endlessly. The farmer knows how to treat each kind of grain He's learned it from God of the angel, angel's armies who knows everything about when and how and where. Now see the difference there. He's contrasting lording things over people, a religious system that oppresses people, and then a Holy Spirit system that knows how to treat people delicately and harshly when the Holy Spirit leads. Now this is how we, we, we have discipline and correction in the church. We adjust. We build relationships. And we hear from the Holy Spirit himself, God himself, how to treat people. And it's each individually, just like I was talking about. We don't treat our kids the same. We don't treat all the people the same. You know, listen, I'm going to kind of put this a little bit on you. You'll be responsible for it after that, sorry. You know the people, you know the people that are around you that are delicate. And if you come to them in a certain way, it's going to crush them. Now, you know people that you come to in that same way will brush it off. And you need to be a little more aggressive, right? 
Don't you know people like that with different personality types? This is where the Holy Spirit leads us in those ways when we can correct people lovingly, right? And he says, look, he's, 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 giving, he's giving an example to people that know about plowing and planting fields, which we don't do a whole lot of. Most of us don't. But he's giving an example they can understand because he's saying, listen, you trust the Holy Spirit. This is the difference. And these are going to be like children that are going to be teaching the great ones. This is, this is the encouragement that, that, that I have in being a pastor that he, 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 um, he shames the wise with the foolish. <laughs> so you're overqualified. <laughs> I'm overqualified. The Holy Spirit can lead you to do great things and can give you great knowledge that you, first of all, don't deserve. You didn't necessarily earn it. You didn't get it cat, um, inherited through your own family, which I'm thankful for because my family was all messed up but now I'm in a new family. And so now you have a Holy Spirit that goes with you. Like I said, you don't check at the door. When you leave this place, you can be sensitive to people's needs. You can put other people's needs before you. You can have freedom in the Holy Spirit. You can have the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You do have the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You have the same Holy Spirit that that led people from the day of Pentecost to now. You have the same Holy Spirit that bewildered people that they didn't understand. Some people go, you guys are acting a little weird. <laughs> and I can imagine that some people might walk in here and go, this is a little different, right? We, we may get into worship a little bit more. We may do, do things a certain way. People can say, okay, well, that's a little odd. Well, we're just being led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, when I, when I stand up here and I worship and, I, and I, I have to try really hard to focus and I focus on the Holy Spirit and I listen, I always ask for confirmation so that I don't get up here and make a fool of myself because a lot of things the Lord says can be kind of strange. I'm just being honest. Some of it's not. Some of it's pretty straightforward. The good thing is I, I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit th- speaks through you guys, um, Andrew and, and Emily sometimes as well, because last week, and I'll give you a perfect example, last week the Lord was putting on my heart um, something to the effect of ugly things being pretty. <laughs> it's pretty blatant terms. And as soon as he said that, I'm worshiping. I'm like, well, that sounds good. What does that mean? And then Emily began to talk about beauty from ashes and sang it much better than I could have. And so I was like, thank you, Lord. I don't really have to even say that. She's got it covered. Same Holy Spirit, right? Same Holy Spirit she was speaking through. Same thing with Andrew when he prays before, and I can hear what he's saying. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I'm hearing the same thing. Same thing when I talk to you guys, when we text back and forth, we have coffee or we talk or whatever. I'm like, yes, this is really cool. We're hearing the same things because it's the same Holy Spirit. This is why we have one mind of Christ. But here's the cool thing, and I'll end with this. You guys are all different. I promise you, I'm looking out here and I can see your faces. I know most of you, and I know your personality types. I know what will sometimes may offend you or may not offend you. I know um, what you care about, a lot of you. We've, we've prayed about things. But what I see is gems. <laughs> I see rubies and gold. And I see God's masterpiece in heaven poured out. When you leave this place, the... the the prophetic word I got years ago about this place was, a, it was an image of puzzle pieces, almost like, like a zipper coming together. Yeah, coming together this way. When, when walking out of the doors of this church, it was, it was in the youth room upstairs. We were praying up there one day, um, and I'll never forget it, that when, we, when you guys leave this place, you were, you were bringing restoration with you. And that was the word that I got is that as you leave, you're bringing restoration with you. You are speaking life into people, not death. You were speaking new life into people, not old law and broken covenants. You were speaking a brand new life. Um, you were speaking truth to people. 
and you're restoring relationships and you're restoring life to people. And I, I, I can't express that enough that the same Holy Spirit that, we, that I have, that we have, you guys have. And if there's anything else that I can encourage you about, it's when you leave this place, hopefully you hang out some and we can talk more about it in the Food and Fellowship. But as you leave this place, um, you know and you're confident in the Holy Spirit that, that is inside of you and the grace that comes with it that, that you didn't even have to earn. Stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you. And please, I want to encourage you to stay. If, like, a, like uh, AJ was saying, if, if you're a guest, don't worry about bringing food. We have plenty of food. Just hang out. No pressure. We're just going to chill out in the building right back here is our children's church building. Um, and we've got air conditioning and some, some good food. So I want to encourage you to hang out there. Father, I just thank you for your word. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us every day. Lord, I thank you that we don't, we don't hang your Holy Spirit on the, on the, on the uh, coat rack when we leave this place. Father, we don't, we don't put our faith in a religion or a religious system, but we put our faith in, in Jesus Christ alone. Lord, we put our faith in you, and we are thankful for your Holy Spirit that leads us, and we trust you. Lord, as we've prayed for, for, for Gene and many others in this place, Lord, that, that we, are, we are so confident how good you are that even if we don't understand it, Father, we've completely put our faith in you. And we completely believe that you can, you can change things and you can make things happen, Lord. We've seen, we've seen the reports come back and the doctors bewildered. We've seen the dead rise. We've seen people healed, not just heard stories of it. We've seen it even in this church. So, Lord, we pray um, your Holy Spirit continue to move and, and, and adjust us to your truth. Lord, I, I pray that we continue to discover your truth, even above our own perception of it, Lord, but your truth would just begin to, uh, to light up in us as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>